Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code SECONDTIER. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the European Super League to my championship. It's Justin Peach. What a fitting thing to say this week, I tell you. It's topical. It's topical to say the least. <laughs> Justin, how are you? I'm actually exhausted because I, I've been glued to my phone all week just fo- just following it. It's just been incredible. Um, but other than that, I, I'm I'm very, very good. Thank you. It has been interesting following Ante. It's been a range of emotions over the past few days. Of course, the news came out as soon as we finished recording the episode, standard podcasting. Um, And then from that point, I was full of anxiety. And then a couple of days later, full of joy as the plans slowly fell into complete and utter muck. Um, We will have a chat about that. At some point in this episode, I, initially I thought, dear listener, that we were going to be having a very good chat about it because I thought <laughs> it was actually going to mean a lot. But obviously, as we all know, the plans have gone down the toilet now, so it doesn't really mean that much. But you are listening to the biggest championship specific podcast, he's second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. We're going to run through all the games in the championship over the past couple of days in midweek plenty cracking off plenty still to play for and plenty that's pretty much been sorted out now so we'll go through all the games we'll talk about some of the news at the end of the episode including the european super league and what it could have meant for the championship and then that'll be it so yeah let's start off with the race for promotion justin a massive massive game at the top of the table between first and second norwich and watford Watford running out 1-0 winners thanks to a goal from Dan Gosling. Now, spoiler alert, but Brentford and Swansea both failed to win. And surely, Justin, that means Watford are promoted. (laughs) You love poking the bear, don't you? Or the hornet's nest, shall we say. Well, I I only say that because you look at the table now and it's hard to see any other outcome, let's be honest. Yeah, I I see them as good as promoted. So I, I do agree with you, but you've been saying this for a good couple of weeks just to give a few Watford fans a bit of anxiety but I think uh, as I say they are as good as promoted they're, they're a fair few points clear they, they're they gaining in momentum again they've beat the potential champions so yeah it's all it's all going in Watford's favour shall we say it definitely is we've been holding on to hope that the race for automatic promotion could still be interesting on the final day of the season but Brentford and Win- Brentford and Swansea those two and their current form at the moment has kind of ruined that, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Funny, isn't it, how everything was so tight a couple of months ago in the Championship, the race for the top two, the race for the playoffs, the battle to stay up. It all looked like it was going down to the last day and everything's 
been pretty much sorted out apart from the relegation battle, obviously, which is a lot thinner than it was <laughs> a month ago. Watford have been unconvincing on plenty of occasions this season, Justin, particularly earlier in the campaign. But I think sacking Vladimirovic and getting Isco Munoz was the real turning point, wasn't it? It was, but even Isco Munoz struggled in the, in his first few games. <laughs> we didn't think he was going to last because it was, was quite bad. But credit to him, credit to the team, they've turned it around. No, no team has won more points this season than Watford since... Isco Munoz's appointment on, on, on Boxing Day so it tells you how consistent they've been since then they've been they've been really good and that 4-3-3 system that they've employed with the players that they've got has got the best out of them it's got the best out of Saar and, and Ken Seymour they've just been really really good I know they've they've stuttered a little bit of late performance wise but they've still got results as well so you can't really complain Yeah Saar's been on this kind of gradual um incline up, incline <laughs> throughout the season hasn't he and now he's hitting top form at possibly the best possible time um and that's only good news for Watford who are cruising to automatic promotion now we'll talk more about what how we think we'll do in the Premier League when they actually do get promoted um because we still got to talk about something for the rest of the season <laughs> um Let's quickly touch on Norwich because Daniel Farker admitted it wasn't a great performance from his side. And he's spoken highly about getting the points needed to secure the title. And my question is, Justin, does anyone actually care about winning the championship? Yeah, of course they do. They, they want it again. They, they You can tell they, they just really, really want it with the media that they put out um, and, and what they say. Uh, as well as that, I think two two title wins in your first three seasons as a head coach for, for Norwich would be an incredible achievement. It really would, albeit championship titles. But um, I think I think they, they do want it, but you can't blame them for being, not on the beach, but a little bit flat. And we'll point out he did have a season before the season he got promoted, because otherwise um, well, that doesn't, Norwich fans messaging happen. us. It didn't happen. <laughs> but it, it is interesting, isn't it, how Norwich in the whole English pyramid, have finished 21st, 20th and 21st. They're just kind of towing that line, aren't they? But they will have to play better if they do want to win the league, won't they? Because the past two games, they've actually been really quite poor. Yeah, as I say, they were were quite flat in this game against Norwich and they've come up against two really good sides, which, as, as teams go... In terms of quality, they're the two teams, Bournemouth and Watford that is, they're the two teams that are closest to Norwich in terms of ability on the pitch and squad depth, etc. Um, so you can almost, these games almost came at the wrong time for for Norwich in the sense that straight after winning promotion, you're, you're high, you're jubilant, you're probably having a couple of parties and then they, they, they come along and you're quite flat afterwards and I think it's quite normal but I think the next couple of games that they've got I think they'll they'll tie the champion tie the championship up it's quite concerning though isn't it when they're getting promoted to the Premier League and they'll be playing teams every single week who are as good if not better than well definitely better than Watford and Bournemouth um so one to keep an eye on, but of course they have got the summer to try and strengthen. Let's go to the games involving the teams who are trying to track down Watford. Firstly, Swansea, who lost 1-0 to QPR thanks to a late Lyndon Dykes goal. After Swansea had a couple of games where they seemed to have turned the corner with their performances, 
they seem to have done a complete 180 and gone back on themselves because they were by all accounts second best here and they went back to that 352 as well which yeah, this this is it just I don't understand what what's going on because in those two wins they're playing 433 mm. and now in the draw against Wickham and in this game he's gone back to 352 it doesn't make any sense to me it's the old <laughs> adage if it's not broke don't fix it I, th- I think one of the issues was Andre Ayew getting injured in the last game. You're left without a auxiliary wide player, so if you're playing a three, they don't have a number nine now without Andre Ayew. He's the closest one that they have to that fit, essentially. So going back to a three-five-two to get the best out of the, 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 the what in the final third made complete sense because, as I say, there's just there's nobody who can do that role that Andre Ayew does for Swansea. And it showed in the the last game where they were really really flat and pretty poor, and obviously they were the same here. They were they were flat. They were poor. They struggled to create. It's it's the sort of the same conversation we've been having over the last few weeks um, with that really bad run of form that they had. I take that point, but even if you're playing so well with a four three three and you haven't got a striker like Andre Ayew who is capable of holding up the ball and what have you. Surely you just stick with it anyway, I'd have thought. Maybe if you play with a false nine, I don't know, Conor Hurahan or someone like that. Just have someone <laughs> up top who is decent with the ball at his feet and can drop deeper and then have the likes of Routledge and Lowe coming in off the wings. Surely that would make more sense than going back to a three-five-two, which clearly hasn't worked. I don't think that would have worked at all. I, I, I hear what you're saying, um, but you've got to remember how much preparation time these teams have. They don't have any. Essentially, they've got a couple of they've got a day or two to to get to get their team coached and ready for the for the next game. I think that's one of the reasons why Steve Cooper has struggled of late to get the best out of his team because they just don't they just don't have the time to to work on the training ground to work around these issues that that, that crop up like trying to possibly build in a, a false nine in that four three three. As I say, they just they don't have the time, and I'm sure if they had a week's week's worth of training, they'd have worked on something, but they don't. They've got as much time as everyone else, though. They do, but they also have a very thin squad as well, whereas other teams don't. You're looking at QPR here. Charlie Austin's out with a suspension. Lyndon Dyke steps up and he's he's banging them in. They don't. Swansea don't have that depth, and that that's not down to Steve Cooper. That's down to the the people that bring the players in. Well, it's not great to see when you're heading into the playoffs, is it? This kind of form. Uh, Andre Ayew will be back before the season ends. Whether he'll be fully fit, though. Not too sure. But QPR were, were well worth the win, weren't they? Despite having nothing to play for, they continued to impress. Chris Willock played up front end, particularly impressed as well. But they're just going all right, aren't they, QPR? They're, they've been definitely the standout team in the second half of the season amongst those sides who have got nothing to play for. Yeah, it's strange. They're the best team who have nothing to play for that I think I've, I've seen because you, 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 these teams genuinely do take the foot off the gas I don't know whether it's just a mental thing or what's the point sort of you know you don't know whether it's that or not um but QPR have, have kept that kept that ball rolling and they've, they've been really good they won six away games in, in 2021 which has put them in a great position for me for a potential promotion push next season because they've got the squad to do it a couple of additions in the summer and I think they're there because they've got that continuity that that team's needing, as well as that Lyndon Dykes has hit form at the right time. Chris Willock, as you say, has been unplayable, really, at times. Elias Chair has stepped up as well, so it's a really exciting time to be a QPR fan. 
and defensively, but they've been fantastic, exactly. particularly recently. Uh, Brentford, they drew again, this time to Cardiff. 1-1 it finished. This was the sixth draw in seven games. Sixth draw, that is sensational. They've now nearly managed to draw as many games since the start of March as they have done all season. I mean, how... How do you get around this as Thomas Frank? I mean, to be fair, I thought in this game, a draw was a fair result. <laughs> yeah, you, you're probably right. But they're limping. They it, they have a, a quite a, a hefty limp going into the playoffs. Compared to last season, it was just the last two games that they, they, they faltered, didn't they, going into the playoffs, which almost scubbed them a little bit. But that, that Swansea second leg seemed to raise expectations again. But it's not it's not good form at all. And... Frank's tried to tinker, but I think not having Rico Henry at left wing back has really upset the balance of the side because he's such a good outlet. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't see them getting in the playoffs. Uh, I can't see them getting in the playoffs. I can't see them competing in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this was a good game. Plenty of chances for both sides. Marcus Force missed a couple of very good chances. Not for the first time. Brentford have been handed a decent amount of opportunities, but just not taken them. And it seems to have cost them the chance to get in the top two. If just two of those draws were turned into wins, then you could have said it's still not over yet, the race for the top two. But it is now, isn't it? Yeah, like like we said, Watford, have, they're, they're winning without playing well. Brentford are creating chances. They're not particularly playing amazing. Um, but they're not picking up the, those wins. That's that's the that's what good sides do. They they grind things out. If they go one 0 up, they make sure they they keep teams out. If they go one 0 down, they turn it around. Um, Watford have been doing that. Brentford haven't. That's why they're not in the automatics. It's as simple as that. They don't have that edge they need to get into it. Yeah, and even though Brentford and Swansea have been challenging for the top two all season, they're heading into the playoffs as the two out-of-form teams compared to the other two teams who we'll get on to a bit later. Final point on this game, Justin. What did you make of Brentford's goal? It was a great goal. It was fantastic. <laughs> 30 yards, lovely finish. 30-yard screamer, <laughs> straight down Alex Smithy's throat. What is he doing? Uh, yeah, there's been a fair few mistakes Cardiff keepers have made this season, but um, I mean it's, it's good to see Smith is back after that mystery uh, mystery illness um, in that game uh, not too long ago. But yeah, he, he's a good keeper and he should he should be doing better. He's experienced a lot as well. better, a lot better. It's an absolute clanger. Let's move on to the relegation battle, Justin, and I'm sure we have got a lot to say on this because it is the most interesting part of the championship left to play for. Preston 3, Derby 0. Derby have gone from looking over their shoulder to full-on turning around and looking straight at whatever they're meant to be avoiding. This was <laughs> an absolutely disastrous performance for Wayne Rooney. It, it was dreadful. I almost liking it to being in quicksand without knowing it, without knowing you're in the quicksand. They're, they're just walking through it. They're walking through it and they're getting deeper and deeper. Wayne Rooney is telling you it's fine. It's fine. We're going to be fine. We just keep going. We'll be fine. And then before you know it, you're, you're shoulder deep. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, were, they were almost sleepwalking in the quicksand before, yeah. weren't they? But now they're at the stage where it's up to their armpits and you've got somebody who's not in the quicksand at the side saying, just don't move and you'll be fine. 
but you're saying to that person, I'm still sinking. What's going on? Exactly. It's, and that it's, person at the side is Wayne Rooney, who said he's not worried about relegation. <laughs> it's it's the perfect analogy for them. But this Derby side mirrors what's going on off the pitch. There's there's no heart or desire. There's the, you know, the, the soul feels like it's been ripped out by an overambitious owner who's had zero motivation to create a sustainable football club with a with a long term vision, and they're paying for it. And just to go back to to Rooney as well, I was sceptical when he was appointed. I think it was Simon Jordan actually who doesn't always say logical things, but he said Derby will get relegated with Rooney as manager, and I and I and I think they will. And the thing that summed it up perfectly was the fact that. Festi Ebiselli came on, who's an attacking right back. He came on at left wing while the team were two goals down. What's going on there? What is going on there? One win in 12 games, three left to try and save the season. How do you try and remedy a side that is playing so poorly? If you want my honest answer, this is as a neutral. I sack Rooney and give McLaren the job until the end of the season. But that would have happened straight after the game. That is as plain and simple as, I, as I'll say it because I don't think Rooney's got the experience to deal with the circumstances he's been dealt. Okay. I mean, three games left. Do you, what, what was, what's been the main concern from how Rooney's dealt with games? What's been his main, his main fault? Well, his, his inability to get, manage games. You look at Preston in, in this game, Preston were far better organised, they were better coached, they had a game plan, it worked. I don't think they've got the the ability in that coaching, in that backroom team to, to put one together. This was the backroom team that was employed under Koku. Koku got sacked. These really should have followed, but they didn't. So the fact that they're all still there tells you what you what you need to know. Um, their, their inability to, to manage games, in-game in game management, shall we say, creating chances, it's never improved. Defensively, they've been solid all season. Solid, relatively solid. They've been okay. But at no point has, has the attack improved at all. And do you think Steve McLaren would remedy that? We all need one last dance with Steve McLaren, don't we? It's it sounds like full on pressing the panic button. It is. It is. It absolutely is. This is this is Harry Redknapp bat signal type of levels, isn't it? You know, we're we're in trouble here. You need someone to come in and save you. I'm talking about Harry Nab- Harry Redknapp when he went to Birmingham City, for example. Yeah. You need an experienced manager to come in and just raise the players because you're not gonna you're not gonna coach anything intimate this time. You literally just need to motivate them. And I don't think Rooney can do it. I don't think he's got the experience or the now to do it. DEFCON 5. That's what stage we're at, people. <laughs> Preston are now officially safe with this win and can start planning for next season. Rotherham failed to capitalise on Derby's loss. They were beaten 2-1 by Middlesbrough. Rotherham were one the up after three minutes, but the game turned on its head after Matt Crooks was sent off at 19 minutes. Did you think it was a red? I, I watched it. A fair few times. I, I don't think it was a red, but I, I, I can see why the referee's given it because he's got one glance at it. Matt Crooks' elbow is out, but it's his head that bumps into Grant Hall. Matt Crooks' head that bumps into Grant Hall's head. But because his elbow's led a little bit, his elbow's not touched him. But as I say, the referee, the officials have got one view of it. So I, I do sympathise, I really do. Yeah, I, I don't think... 
well, Paul Walton was complaining, but I think the referee. I've got, I'm the same as you, I think I can have sympathy for it. Because if you're going into a challenge with your elbows out like that, I, I'm doing an impression, but I'm <laughs> fully aware we're on a podcast and nobody can actually see what I'm doing. Um, then you, you're you're asking for trouble, basically, aren't you? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I don't think Matt Crooks can complain about it too much, even though he definitely will. I think it's fair to say Rotherham haven't made the most of the games in hand, have they? We said April was a big month because they were playing so many games, but this month they've lost five out of seven games. So it should have been a lot better, shouldn't it? It should, but the annoying thing is for Rotherham is that the the performances have been there. I think you look at, um, other than the Coventry game, they've been pretty impressive, let's be honest. They've been quite impressive and up until Matt Crooks is sending off. I, I thought I thought they could have ran away with this game, um, but the, the good news is for them is Derby are handing them lifelines. Rotherham, it's still in Rotherham's hands. It's it's still in Rotherham's hands, and I think that that defeat will will buoy Rotherham at the weekend because they've got they've got time to to rest now. Not very long, but they have a bit of time to rest because what did show against Borough it was the players looked absolutely dead on their feet. More lifelines than Chris Tarrant. They've got. <laughs> They've got two games coming up against Barnsley and Brentford. So two tricky games, but it's starting to get to the point where Rotherham have got to get some points on the board. Sheffield Wednesday, they can't be fully discounted just yet, can they, Justin? They beat Blackburn 1-0. A good, hard-fought win by the Owls. It it absolutely was, and and they deserved it as well. I guess the frustrating thing is the fact that they, they folded against QPR the way they did, and as well as that, they were they were second best against Swansea. But it was a good a good a good draw against Bristol City, I think, given the circumstances. I know I know Bristol City went down to to ten men and they missed the penalty, but it was a game that they could have lost. They could have folded quite easily, but I think that gave them a little bit of heart going into this game against Blackburn. And they've beaten a Blackburn team who looked pretty impressive in the second half against Derby. They've started to turn around form-wise a little bit. So they've they, they given themselves a chance and you've got to love it. Yeah, I've got to love it. They're doing this without the manager in the dugout as well. It is very impressive. They've got three games left. They're four points from safety. What are you saying, Justin, my boy? How possible is it? I think if Rotherham win their games in hand, it spoils things a little bit. You know, you almost want Rotherham to pick up a couple of points, get level with Derby, and then you make that last game Wednesday Derby incredibly interesting because Derby have got Birmingham to play as well. So it's tasty. It's incredibly tasty. And uh, they've given themselves a chance, as have Wickham. They've definitely given themselves a chance. They are relying on Derby just basically not picking up any more points pretty much for the rest of the season, which the way they're playing is a distinct possibility. But as you say, Rotherham with those games in hand, although we say games in hand, if if Rotherham failed to get anything against Barnsley and Brentford, then they played, well, they're back up to just three games in hand, well, three games left, sorry, I should say. So I think if you were Darren Moore and you were offered the chance to take it down to the last day and have your safety, depending on the Derby v Wednesday game, you'd definitely take it, wouldn't you? Considering where they were, points deduction, where they've been, they've had four managers this season, you take it all day. You give oh, yourself absolutely. that chance, 100%. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no denying that at all. They, they've got the, the ability in the squad to, to beat Derby as well. So do it. Let's go. 
is worth pointing out if Wednesday didn't have that points deduction, they'd be two points above the bottom three as well. But there you go. Um, quick word on Blackburn, Justin, who continue to look terrible. And I said <laughs> at the weekend that if this season was five or six games longer, I'd look at Bristol City and say, you're in trouble of going down. I'd say Blackburn are also in that bracket. It's 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 strange microcosm they're they're in at the moment. I, I you can you look at the squad and you go, this is a really good squad. But since the turn of the year, it's not clicked at all. Um, and it's games like this against Wednesday where Blackburn would have beat them by three or four goals in last October. But this is the, this is the stark difference as to where they're at now. So I, I I can't put my finger on it. I don't think any Blackburn fan could put their finger on it. Everybody's puzzled as to why it's dropped so badly. Justin, let's have a break after that. We'll talk about the playoff race and also the rest of the teams who have nothing else to play for. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Bournemouth secured their place in the playoffs by thumping Millwall 4-1. Utter domination from the Cherries. And based on performances like this, Justin, they're the team to beat in the playoffs because they were absolutely class here, weren't they? They were. Are we surprised, given the players that they've got in their squad, did they just need a manager to get the best out of them? I'll answer that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you say that, but you've given Woodgate some stick, and you've been you've been questioning him. But we've. Well, we've I think just... I think I think everyone's given Woodgate some stick. <laughs> you've you 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 accusing me of giving him stick, but you're not completely innocent here. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was sceptical, but I also said last season that this 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 job the job at Borough for Woodgate came probably a year too soon, and it was the worst time to to probably be be the borough manager given the cost-cutting measures they they put in place under well because of the spending that Tony Pulis and Gary Monk did so I think I have sympathy for borough uh, well sorry not for borough for, for Woodgate because of how it, how it panned out but you've got you've got to take your hat off here they've they've won seven consecutive games in the championship for the first time in their history Dan Juma is incredible there's no point mentioning his stats because we know we're just going to say it every week because I can't see him stopping scoring. Billing's been ridiculous. Solanke's hit form. Brooks is back fit. And he's hit form. They're unstoppable. In fact, I looked at the table and I only looked at the points and I thought I'd see Swansea there. But it's it's Bournemouth. They've gone from 7th to 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, that, that surprised me as well, how they've managed to suddenly jump up uh, all, the, all past the uh, other teams in the playoffs. But the scary thing is, as you quite rightly mentioned, the form of their attacking players. You mentioned Dan Juma, who we've mentioned in pretty much every episode for the past two months now. And then Billing 
as you rightly say, scoring for fun. And then David Brooks is the interesting one because he looked unbelievable here, but mm-hmm. he's someone who hasn't had the season that we were expecting. And he's now suddenly standing up and making himself counted. And you look at that front four and it's going to take some bloody stopping, isn't it? And I asked the question, Justin, who can stop them? Well, Barnsley have already had a go at them, haven't they? Right before this winning run, I think they lost to Barnsley. So it could it could make for a very tasty game, especially if Barnsley finished sixth and Bournemouth finished third, because that's them two playing in the playoffs, in the semi-finals. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, just the funny thing is, I I don't even know who's been playing at the back for Bournemouth because I've just been so focused on their attack. I couldn't tell you who's who's been the centre half partnership throughout this run of games. The only thing I will add is Pearson and Lerma have added some really much needed steel to that midfield, which is given the platform for these attacking players to perform. Um, it's it's just a ridiculous. It, it's Aston Villa levels of of form going into the playoffs. It's Carter Vickers, Cook, Kelly and Stacey, by the way, who's been playing at the back. No but idea. You, you, you're right, because <laughs> the, the front players have just been taking all the credit recently, especially Ben Pearson as well, who has been fantastic since signing from Preston. Even Begovic is getting assists. Yeah, Begovic's assist was absolutely <laughs> classic. It was, it was very Edison-esque, wasn't it? it? Some people will look at that and say, well, that's just a long ball up the pitch, but... It is such a precise, long pass. And Dan Juma pretty much had it on a plate. You you say Edison, I say Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes, Edison. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth heading into the playoffs now. That place is secure and they look like the team to beat heading into the playoffs in just a few weeks' time. Barnsley also looks set to be in the playoffs after beating Huddersfield 1-0. A Daryl DK overhead kick, getting the three points. What a player, Justin. <laughs> Some people might be getting a bit bored of us mentioning him all this time, but he's probably one of, if not the informed striker in the Championship at the moment because he just can't stop scoring. Well, you say that he's, he's scored nine goals since his league debut on the fourteenth of February. Only Timo Pukki's managed more in that time. Um, the man is a the man is a cheat code. His his goal it, it happened in slow motion. His overhead kick here against Huddersfield um, because he it looked like he didn't have any time to get it. It was it was a slow over. It wasn't a spectacular one, but it was still he had the audacity to do it, which tells you his confidence at the moment. And one nil didn't really do Barnsley justice in this game. Huddersfield cleared three or four shots off the line in the second half. It could have been a disaster for them. Well, that's it goes back to what we keep saying about Barnsley, Justin. It's a, it is a concern because Barnsley have had another game where they've won by a single goal, but should have won by much, much more because they've created so many chances. They're just not putting away. And, and I do fear that if they do come up against a team like Bournemouth in the playoffs then it could cost them if they're not a bit more clinical in front of goal. Yes and no. I think they were unlucky here against Huddersfield because, as I say, they had their shots cleared off the line. Um, I can't remember who it was who cleared them off, but they were they were, they were were on it. So if it wasn't for that, they, they would have won 3 or 4-0. But as you say, I think Woodrow hasn't been as prolific or as efficient in front of goal this season. Um, Carlton Morris is an incredibly... I'm going to use that word again, efficient player in front of goal when he comes off the bench. So I hear what he's saying, but for me, there's a lot more to this Barnsley side than just putting away the chances. I think I think they they, they, suffocate, they suffocate teams. And as I say, that, that potential 
semi-final against Bournemouth is looking tasty. Well, this was a very one-sided game. I don't think any Huddersfield fan will be disputing that. This result leaves them eight points above the relegation zone. And it looks like they should be all right because that's a big old gap with three points left. Uh, But that is also with the caveat of Rotherham's games in hand. They could do with just another win, couldn't they? Just to make sure. Certainly. Uh, that's, that, I guess that's a frustrating thing because you wouldn't want them to think that, oh, we're safe now. Um, but as I say, uh, this game didn't really didn't really show that spirit and fight that they showed in their previous in the previous game where they where they picked up three points against against Forest. So it's frustrating. Their their home form has been frustrating as well. Um, so yeah, you you're right in saying that they just need an extra three points. Even just a draw might might see them over the line. But the games like this. You, Again, you're just wondering where that next win will come from. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm particularly expecting Huddersfield to pick up many more points in these final three games because they have been so, so poor now for quite some time. They have really only gotten over the line because they went on that crazy run where they were drawing so many games mm-hmm. and they haven't played particularly well, but that's ultimately what's managed to get them over the line and well they're not over the line just yet but heading towards the line um, whereas the likes of Derby, Rotherham, Wednesday keep losing games don't they and mm-hmm. points are points aren't they at the end of the day. <laughs> Barnsley's playoff place looks secure because of Reading's draw with, with Luton which finished nil-nil. It means Velko Panovic's boys are six points off the top six with three games left and that seems to be too much of a gap to try and overcome at this point now doesn't it Justin with three games left you are just banking on teams dropping points um, and you don't want to be in that position do you You want to have a a realistic chance of getting into playoffs so it's it's a shame it is a massive shame because I've really enjoyed watching Reading this season I really have they've got some really good players really talented players and it would have been good to see them in the playoffs because they're a good counter-attacking team and counter-attacking teams fare very well in, in playoff campaigns. Where do you think it's gone wrong for them? Obviously they've, I think they've only picked up one win in seven or something like that uh, in the past you know, couple of months um, but where's it gone wrong really since the turn of the year because as we all know they look like they might be challenging for automatic promotion around you know, Christmas time or what have you and then since then it's slowly gone downhill hasn't it? I think with Reading and I mean this with the as much niceness as possible they've got too many average players you look at Sam Baldock Sonia Luco uh, there's that sort of the bad recruitment drive a couple of seasons ago has, has probably held them back now but as you say they've, they've got some great talent but have they got enough of it throughout the squad I don't think they have um, and that, that that needs addressing in the in the summer for example Lucas Shaw getting injured he's been the talisman this season going forwards George Puskas steps, steps up has he stepped up not really. So have they got a reliable backup forward in amongst the in amongst the mix? I don't think they have. And that reliance on Lucas Shaw and once once his goals dried up, Reading's goals dried up as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely been down to wasting chances. They and this was something that I was ramming home earlier in the season was how clinical they were with the likes of Zhao and Mate scoring, you know, with a ridiculous conversion rate and Reading's conversion rate overall was ridiculous. But since then, they've been almost the polar opposite mm-hmm. recently and they have not been anywhere near as clinical. And I think that's ultimately been 
the reason why they have dropped out. The goals have dried up. Lucas Yao's form has dropped off, even though I know he's been injured recently. Uh, Yakumete has missed plenty of games this season. That's That's been it. And also the results against the poorer teams in the division mm-hmm. haven't helped. They've dropped some points that they really, really should have should have picked up when you're trying to get in the top six. So that's ultimately it, I'm afraid. A 93rd minute penalty by Adebayo Akinfenwa got Wickham a 2-1 win over Bristol City. David Stockdale, the goalkeeper, won the penalty for Wickham. And then there were unreal scenes at the end, weren't there? Yeah, Akinfenwa was saying like he's never he's not had that level of sort of jubilation from from players. It's like he's just scored on his debut as a kid, but the man's thirty nine years old and he scores his first championship goal in his career. It's it's an incredible story, and that's that's really where the the jubilation has come from. And as you say, David Stockdale winning the penalty, it was one one. They weren't going to lose the game, but they knew a win would would keep them in within distance of, of staying up keeps them fighting and i said a few weeks ago if just if we can just take it down to the last few games make the teams above them look back and go oh way up they're still going then that's that's a that's a great season and they and they've done that and that's and that's to their credit the grit and determination in this Wickham team i don't think there's another team i don't, I don't think any team could match it in the in this league the well, the Wickham twitter account said after the game they're not giving up this fight and fair play to Wickham for still not being mathematically relegated with three games left. But I keep hearing a lot of talk of them potentially being able to stay up. But I think if they just win now. every game, well, if they just win every game, <laughs> it's as simple as that, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just can't see it, Justin, because you got to take into account as well. And this is something that I think has been forgotten about by maybe even us that. Rotherham and Wednesday both can't stay up. It's got to be one or the other, I'm afraid. And the same goes for Wickham. It's not going to be Rotherham, Wednesday and Wickham all stay up. It's one of this bottom four um, are staying mm-hmm. up. It's not all of them. So for they've got to take into account three different teams not picking up points and them winning three games as well. I'm afraid that is a big old mountain. You're such a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also got to take her into account. Wednesday and Derby are playing each other last day of the season. So someone's picking up points. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's just ruined everything. <laughs> so I, I keep hearing a lot of talk that Wicker was still not out of it yet. But I, I mean, I really can't see it happening. Um, I, I'm not sure what has to mathematically happen for, for them to be automatically re- relegated. But... If they do win the final three games of the season, at least they give themselves a fighting chance. Yeah, you, uh, like I said, if they win all of their games, why not? If if Derby, Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday fail to pick up points, and obviously Derby and Wednesday draw on the final day, no, that wouldn't work either. Never mind. They're going down. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love how I've just dashed all your hopes and dreams. Um let, let's finish off with the final two games just in the Itokaranka Chris Hewton Derby. Birmingham won, Forest won. Two teams not mathematically safe, but look to be just about there. Decent game, this wasn't it? Quite a few chances considering both teams have been two of the poorest teams going forwards this season. Mm-hmm. Forest equalised thanks to a 98th minute penalty, which I thought was questionable. Would you agree? Mm. Yeah, I don't think it was a penalty at all. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what the referee's excuse is because it's just two players going for a header. Um, Lewis Graben scored it, meaning he's overtaken own goals as top scorer this season for Forest, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. And finally, Coventry aren't mathematically safe, but virtually are after beating Stoke 3-2. Another exciting game, if it doesn't necessarily mean too much. See, guys, this is what we're saying. If you've got nothing to play for, just go crazy. Just just go absolutely mad. And there were some really good goals in this game. Tyler Walker's yeah. finish, Sam Klukas's goal. I can't remember who scored the other. Jacob Brown's yep. goal. Um, Gaiocres's goal. Just really good goals. And Ben Wilson pulled off probably the best save I've seen this season as well. Uh, he did pull off a magnificent save. But this is what we mean. If if you've got nothing to play for, then just tell your defenders to go on the piss the night before because I, <laughs> some of the defending in this game was a bit questionable, to yeah. say the very least. Right, Justin, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And there's only one place to start, the European Super League. So... Obviously, it's all gone down the toilet now. It's not something we have to worry about for the time being anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did seem like it was going to have an impact on the championship. I, just before we get onto this, Justin, I want to make sure that we don't repeat what has been said on oh, yeah. every single other podcast, Twitter for the past few days. Well, let's talk about what it would have meant for the championship had it gone ahead. The first thing is... What would it have meant for promotion? Because the six teams potentially being taken out of the Premier League, I'm guessing that would have meant six teams in the playoffs now all going up. Presumably. Um, it would have been interesting. I, it's it's that, that, that that argument of um, earning your, your, your right and weirdly you wouldn't earn your right to, to go up because you're automatically promoted because of those six teams being pulled out of the league by the by the authorities. Um, so, yeah, that, it, w- it would have made for for an interesting week and I, I don't think I'd have liked it very much. I'd, I'd have liked to have seen a Royal Rumble-style bid to... Uh, that's how you earn promotion for me, is, is a Royal Rumble. Um, but in, who, in who, all seriousness... Hang on, hang on. I need to pull you up on that. Who would be fighting in the Royal Rumble? Would it be the managers or preferably the mascots? Oh, yeah, the mascots, absolutely. Yeah, It has to be the mascots, yeah. Um, I do do acknowledge that a lot of what we talk about here is probably a bit mute now that this isn't actually (coughs) happening. But, of course, it was, you know, condemned by the EFL, Mm -hmm. every club who wasn't in the top six. Um, It was a complete and utter disgrace of a money-grabbing move by, and I think Gary Neville's used this word plenty of times, scavengers. and it would have ultimately pulled out a lot of money from not just the championship, the whole EFL, and all the levels below that. Yeah, I think one thing that hasn't been said is you know we've given these guys a big middle finger. This is this is our this is our sport to add the cliche. This is this is what we love. This is why we do this podcast because we love the championship. We we hate that narrative that the top six bring with them that the media push them and um yeah this, this is absolutely our sport no one, no one, no rich knobhead's gonna take it away let's be honest <laughs> no rich knobhead is going to take this take that away get that on a banner and hang that outside <laughs> anfield um let's move on justin middlesbrough striker ashley fletcher 
won't play again for the club this season. His contract is up this summer and he's been told by the club his services are no longer needed. Now, I'll tell you what, Justin, I saw this news and I thought to myself, Ashley Fletcher would not be a bad signing for quite a few championship sides who are desperate for a striker. He's not particularly been clinical in front of goals in his career so far, but I think he's got the potential to be a clinical striker. Yeah, and he's suffered a lot with injuries, hasn't he? Um, which has mm. probably held back his, his development quite a bit and also chopping and changing between West Ham, Manchester United and then a big move to Borough didn't really didn't really help things at a young age. But last season he seemed to find form. This season he looked like he was going to be a key player, but injuries held him back. And yeah, as you say, he's now a free transfer, so he'd be a very good pickup for, for any team in a division, really. Top team, need a backup striker, useful player, middle-tier team, first-team striker, bottom-tier team, talisman. Yeah, and there's quite a few strikers who are available or look to be unavailable on a free in the, in the summer. And Ashley Fletcher is one of them off the top of my head. Jordan Rhodes, Martin Waghorn, a Sombolonga. Yeah. yeah, players who have got decent scoring records at this level over the years. And I'd say Ashley Fletcher is right up there because he's still coming up to his prime years. He's a big physical lad. I'd sign him up like that. Um <laughs> It's worth pointing out him and Asamalonga cost twenty-two million though in total. So uh, I think that goes to show how bad Borough's business has been over the past few years. And final bit of news from this past few days: Justin Championship legend Angel Rangel has announced his retirement at the age of thirty-eight. What a man! What a legend as well. He really is. I, I read a story that Martinez picked him up from like a fourth division Spanish team. He was, Martinez was was scouting another player and he saw Rangel and decided to sign him for Sonzi, which is a, an amazing story, which I didn't know beforehand. Great player, passionate player, Swansea legend, championship legend. Just too many good words to say about him. Yeah, he, he's been a fantastic servant to Swansea over the years and he... I, I, can't even think how many games he's played. It's got to be at least 300. He's been a fantastic servant for them. Decent player at QPR as well, wasn't he? Was he was, actually. Surprised me. Yeah, unfortunately, I think an Achilles injury mm-hmm. has really made him come to this decision. I think also missing his family as well, because I think I saw an interview with him saying that he, he's really missed his family because obviously he's not played this season, has he? Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's time to decide to call it a day. And fair play to you, Angel Rangel. We take off our hats to you. So, Justin, that's just about it for us on this midweek edition of the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. If you are looking ahead to Sunday's episode, which is when we'll next be back, it will again be slightly later than usual because there is a one o'clock game. So it'll be late afternoon, I imagine, that episode will come out. So uh, you have that to look forward to. Justin, you got any plans until then? Have I got any plans? I have my first barbecue this weekend, which is exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for it, as you can tell with the tone of my voice. <laughs> as always, I can always tell the excitement <laughs> in the tone of your voice. Uh, I'm going to the pub again this weekend. I went last weekend and my neck was burnt to a crisp. Exciting plans for everyone. And we hope you, listener, also have plenty of exciting plans coming up this weekend. You have us to look forward to again on Sunday. And we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I'll be Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.